0: Back to the Dragon's Library! Okay, so, let's get out of this. Today, we have a delay. I meant to review The Vo- Voyage of the Basilisk, uh, the third book by Marie Brennan in her Na- History of Natural Dragons series, the Memoirs of Lady Trent. Uh, it's a really good book, really enjoying it, but I'm not finished with it yet. I have, like, uh, 20% of it left. About 20% left. So, I'm going to delay it until next Tuesday. Hopefully I will be able to finish it by then. Very sorry. Uh, but I do have an emergency set of things to review. I, I basically have a group of things I've labeled as to be reviewed in case of emergency. Break opening break open if you need review. Uh and so, as a change of plans, today we will be reviewing the third chapter of a series I've already reviewed the first two chapters, the first uh, two seasons of, sorry, not chapters, seasons. Um, and that is the Dragon Prince season three, and you know what? I like when I hit my emergency review bucket because there's always so much fun stuff in there that I keep putting off. Besides, the Dragon Prince give in its fourth season eventually, and I want to be able to talk go straight into it, not to do two seasons at once like I did for the first one. I'm always a bit more focused when I can focus on a singular narrative. Um, so. The Dragon Prince Season 3 is going to take off exactly where the previous seasons ended. If you haven't listened to my review on that, go listen to my review. If you haven't watched the show, go watch the show. What are you doing? It's, it's written by the same people who wrote Avatar The Last Airbender. If you like any animation at all, if you enjoy Avatar The Last Airbender, heck, if you haven't tried Avatar The Last Airbender, first of all, go watch that. And then come with us and watch The Dragon Prince, because you will probably be hungry for some more content after you're done. Uh, <laughs> anyway... Oh dang, I really should have... I really should review Avatar the Last Year of little I'm not really sure what else I would say about it, aside from being an amazing series with wonderful characters, fantastic animation, an amazing story. Especially Zuko's story. But like okay, look, the Avatar's another day. Avatar's another day. We'll get to that another time. So, the Dragon Prince Season 3. Uh as the second season begins, uh Kay- Rayla and Kale. Caleb Callum are finally into Zadia the magical side of this world where everything is magic but before they can get there they have one last obstacle to get past. um so the it's Sol Rega and so when they say his name it like briefly flashes to the past and it's like it's the opening scene where dark magic is discovered and there's that old human wizard who sucks the life out of a bunch of passing things and he's that big dragon you see in the opening in the opening scenes describing everything in the beginning of the season I mean, series. Um, So he's the exposition dragon. That's why I like to think of him as. And so he, you know, says, give up dark magic. Human says, won't. He says, I'm going to burn your village to the ground. He says, you promised not to do that if I came here peacefully. He's like, I don't give a shit, you're a human. And decides to go out and burn the village down. Human attacks him, blinding him. Dragon responds by burning him alive and flying away. So, Solregum really, really doesn't like humans. That's what it boils down to. I mean, to be fair, a human did blind him, but he was also a massive dick. Like, he literally asked this dark maid, the dark magic using human, the one that discovered all this, to be like, come to this peaceful meeting, and I will leave your city, and I will not harm you. He's like, oh, I probably not want to harm you. I didn't say anything about your city. Give up dark magic, or i burn it to the ground. It's like, okay, so this situation is a bit more nuanced. Dark magic might be kind of, you know, vamp- vampiric, you know, sucking life out of magical creatures and fuel your spells. But the magical creatures did seem to hold humans in kind of contempt as like lesser beings. Actually, the soul writer even says, you are lesser beings when he says we're, you know, why would you make us go back to that time we were lesser beings? Like, you are lesser beings. And it's like, okay. So the humans kind of had uh, a bit, a justification to their actions. And that's not even counting the fact that not all humans were responsible for using dark magic. Only a handful. So yeah, I, I do like they're giving this a bit more nuance, having both sides be kind of wrong. Everything you know caught up in a cycle of violence because show, you know, kid shows will love to do the cycle of violence thing. Um, I mean, it's a good lesson. Revenge, revenge usually leaves everyone blind. It's, it's a fair point. Uh, so yeah. Anyway, uh, Callum and Raylam have to get past him. They use a wind magic trick him, and they're in Zadia. And Zadia is really cool. Like everything is super magical and alive. Like. Their world had a few magical creatures. Their, like the their side, the human kingdoms had a bit of you know magic going on. There were like sea serpent or you know lake monster or something like that. But Zadia, it's like it's clear that Zadia is on like a whole new level. Like even the dirt is infused with magic. And Kate and Caleb, Caleb is getting like all excited over this. And was like, "Well, this is just life over here. I don't know what you're all excited about. It's just magic dirt. That's all dirt over here. Don't understand what the big deal is." Um, they play around, it's a lot of fun, and they get to rail visit village, village to try and get help to, uh, you know, bring Zim back to their, his, his mother, because he's a cute little dragon prince, and I will just say, Zim is adorable. Um, so, while they're doing that, uh, Ezrin is being king, and, uh, Viren's trying to take over. He ends up taking over, uh, long story short for Ezrin's story, because I'm just not as interested in Ezrin's story, like... I don't really care about the human kingdom, and honestly, the only interesting part of it was watching as, um, what was it, Viren slowly becomes consumed by, uh, what was his name? God, what was his name? No, not as an obvious. One second, let me check this. Uh, Let's see. Oh, Erebus. Okay, so his name is Erebus. He's like the star elf. Um, and so he slowly seduces Viram into, and Viram uses a you know, rival kingdom, because uh, near the end of the last season, Viram sent like these shades to go kill the leaders of all the other kingdoms who had uh, refused to aid him in his warring in Zadia and so, uh, one of their, one they killed all, four of the kingdoms, die, uh, the others, the other was led by a child, uh, she was one of the ones who refused Viram outright, and she was the reason the others decided not to side with him uh, she was she wasn't killed, but the other four were oh three of the others were killed and one of them was almost killed. And his son is really fucking pissed and wants to wage war on Zadia, but now that Ezra's in charge he won't let him, so he he's with a backstabbing advisor and basically they end up fleeing. Uh half some of the army decides not to side with it, He says you can leave, but you'll have to wear this badge of your cowardice. It later becomes a symbol they rally behind, stuff like that. Um, it's a pretty simple plot. It's mostly just Veerum scheming to get his army into Zadia, and then going to Zadia and starting to wreak havoc. But I don't really care much about that until we get there, so I'm just gonna leave that there. Um, although I do like Ezran's, like, difficulty in being this ruler that everybody's expecting to make decisions like, an adult, even though he's, like, a child. And he does a pretty good job. Like, he does what's best for his kingdom, for the most part. Even when he's faced with decisions he hates, he does the, what is required to... Cause the least amount of death in either side. Uh, when it's clear they can't, this army is going to wage war on him, on his kingdom. If they do not side with them. Uh, he decides to give Viren the power under the condition that anyone who decides they do not wish to participate will be allowed to leave without uh, retribution. So it, you can't force the people to, to fight for you. I'll let you have the. I'll let you have this kingdom, but you will never be allowed to force the others to fight for you. And you know what? I like that. He does a really good job. Now back to the interesting stuff with Kal with Callum and Rayla and Zim, who's so adorable, he's such so an adorable little hat play. Ugh, sorry, I- I'm fanboying over Zim, but Zim is so cute. So cute. Ugh. So yeah. Um Rayla discovers that her uncles, who were looking after her after her parents parents died, um, they like the Runan ended up dying or getting trapped in that coin or whatever by Viren. Um, and his flower sunk to, not all the way to the bottom, but they had like, these magic flowers and um, Rayla was the new girl whose parents had like fled from their duty at one point, guarding the Dragon King. And they're the, they were supposed to watch over Zim and protect him, but they apparently failed and rumors they even ran away. So I was expecting Rayla to you know run like her parents did. Um... So what happened was when all the drag when all the flowers sunk to the ground the bottom of the well except for her, they decided she betrayed them. Now, what's interesting though is the night elves hide their village with illusions. So the moon moon moonshadow elves hide their village with illusions. And so when Rayla goes to perform this like magic dance to open up the gateway for her and Callum, um, everyone's faces are like blanked out. It's literally like they've been blocked from her sight. Nobody can see her, nobody can hear her, and her uncle only sees her in a reflection, because apparently that you can see people through reflections. So, he decides to briefly show himself to her and ask her, because he can't stand not knowing what happened. He asked her, Why? Why did you do it? It's like, I didn't betray you. I found the dragon prince. And, you know, once he sees this tiny little storm dragon, he's like, Oh my gosh, you have to get there, but the dragon queen's dying. And so it's a race to get to her and show her that her baby's still alive. They go through a desert with soul stealing snakes that we saw in the first season. Actually, we saw one of those in the first season. Um, there's this really cool sky elf, uh, Callum meets up with a new teacher in magic and learns the, a spell for growing wings and a new breath spell from a dragon. And it's all very interesting. And they get to the dragon queen and she's dying of sadness because this is cartoons. <laughs> I'm sorry. Just the whole dying of sadness thing has always been like, and she's lost the will to live. It's like, people don't die from that. Like, they might get, they might, like, become really depressed from that, but they don't, like, die from that. They die from maybe killing themselves, but not, like, it's, it's just, ugh. It's ridiculous. Anyway. So, yeah. Basically, uh, while they were doing that, though, Viren was leading his army to the Sun Elves. Uh, where their aunt, where, where aunt, aunt is captured because she's been captured there since the last season. Um, she gets, you know, becomes friends with an elf. They have this really cute dynamic. Uh, and she's like, she has to go through this, uh, like, a blinding sun ritual to try and burn out the impurities because, yeah, they think every human practices dark magic because, you know, stereotypes. Um, and when she's pure, she's like, oh, a pure hunted human. How unique. Do whatever you want with her. I don't care. It's like, if she's not a dark magic user, whatever. We don't care. We just want to burn them off the face of the earth. It's like, oh, so if she used dark magic, then she'd be terrible. Then she then she would have been literally, well, the way they phrased it, it was like, every part of them that's influenced by dark magic is burned away. Which means, um, yeah, most dark magic users at the very least channel it through their hands, and Viren's definitely done entire spells through his whole body or on his eyes and stuff. So, I'm imagining a dark mage getting all the parts touched by dark magic burned off them. I mean, C- Callum would lose, like, what, his left hand? And Viren would probably be disintegrated. Um, I'm guessing Claudia would probably lose, like, probably both her hands, her eye, uh, one of her eyes, and probably a foot, I think, too, from that one spell? I'm not sure. Maybe even her tongue. Ooh. Yeah. Nasty thinking about it, but they don't actually do anything with that because you know you can't have them bl- losing body parts in a kid's show. <sighs> so disappointing. <laughs> I mean, sorry, how come Peter Dragman have, had their character lose a body part? He lost a foot. So I'm just like, you know, crippling a character isn't like outside the realm of possibilities. Am I really getting off this tangent? I think I am getting off this tangent. Okay, well, let's, let's put that aside for the moment. I, that's just one of my problems with the kids' show, sanitizing their computer a little bit too much. Anyway, uh, so, yeah, Virin goes there with the help of Erevos, they end up, like, taking control of their sacred sunstone staff, um, and that channels the power. Uh, it really was dumb of them to bring an obviously powerful and dangerous dark mage that the queen's sister had warned them is really, really dangerous into their, the place where their most powerful relic, like, one of their largest, most powerful, uh, magical sun Sun magic uh, devices are like it's literally a giant miniature sun at the top of the highest tower in their in their city. It's obviously a major source of power for them, and they brought a dark mage who surrendered himself to them willingly with an army behind him to the place of their power. And like when Aramos comes out, it's like you were so arrogant, leading my disciples straight to the source of your power. And I was kind of like, yeah, that wasn't really dumb. What the fuck were you thinking? Like, they used the sun staff to prove you as a dark mage in the throne room. So bringing him here to disintegrate him was just kind of gratuitous. And, like, it it really does show the elves can be really freaking arrogant. Uh, and also, also we had Erebus this whole season. His whole things with, uh... And they had this whole flashback episode where they described, like, the dumb reason that they lost, uh, that they ended up killing the Dragon King. And, like, it's okay. It's whatever. But the fact of Erebus constantly biting in, like, oh, so that's how you killed Thunder. That was wonderful, I'm sure. It's like, I love him. Like, seriously, the voice actor for Erevos also voiced my favorite villain from Avatar Airbender, Ko the Face Dealer, who we were supposed to see more of, but we never did. Uh, they never gave us more of him, which was very disappointing. But when it came to Arabels, um, he's gonna be like the main villain of the series, so we get to hear this. Like this voice actor has an amazing voice. He's like that menacing, quiet, threatening—the kind of guy you know is just like plotting to slash your throat the second it becomes beneficial towards him. The second it's more beneficial, to kill you than it is to keep you alive. You know. Uh, I love him. Absolutely a joy to listen to, seriously, his voice is amazing, uh so yeah, then they end up having uh Viren ends up turning them all his soldiers into like sun elf monster creatures so that they're unaffected by fire, like they feed on fire, become stronger, they charge the dragon queen's mountain uh they manage to win with the timely helpful of the all the uh army the army of all the soldiers from Ezra from their kingdom who decide not to side with the dick. You know, who usurped their king's throne. Um, and so, yeah. The good guys win, but uh, there's this moment where... See, one of the major subplots in this whole series right now was Claudia and... Um, God's... What's his name? Sorin. His name's Sorin. Uh, so, Claudia and Soren are sisters, and their mom left them and asked who they wanted to stay with, and uh when claudia said their dad um their mother told them well when they're well before they could choose anyone though their mother said stay with your father i know you i know one at least one of you probably will i know claudia probably will and you shouldn't be broken up uh so they have a big thing about like not leaving each other behind and after seeing what his father turns into when he like transform you know when he kills all those elves so brutally he takes over the decimates the son of city, and even uh, transforms all their friends into monsters, combined with the fact that he is fairly certain his father wanted to kill the princes during the last few seasons, and then tried to lie about it, and quite frankly kind of gaslight him. Uh, basically, Soren has a massive breakdown in his loyalty to his father, decides to betray him to war on the good guys, and there's this whole moment where he runs away, and while well, his father like transforming their army... And Claudia catches up to her and is like, come with me, Claudia. We don't want to separate. We don't want to leave each other. And Claudia has this massive breakdown. It's like, I don't want to lose anyone. And she can't see that her father is kind of becoming a monster. She sees it as, like, necessary, that he's always know what's right. Because she's not been a father. She's been his her teacher in the art of magic. She's, you know, she's been his little prodigal daughter, whereas Soren's kind of been, like, he guessed he was a captain of the guard. He's a pretty good warrior. But Soren always kind of disdained and looked down on him for his lack of intellect. Which he sees as one of his better traits. Um, you know he's strong, be- not because he uh, you know can fight well. yet he can. He's an amazing mage and very dangerous in magical combat. But he's sm- he's powerful because he uses his head. And while Claudia does that, it's clearly he doesn't really think the same of Soren. So Sorin ends up leaving, warning the good guys. And there's this whole moment after they fight the battle during like the wreckage when they're trying to repair, where he finds his father trying to kill Ezra, and he makes a choice to. To stab him, you know, it's like, yes, I'm loyal. I'm not going to you. You have killed tons of people. You have to be stopped. I'd like to take you alive, but I'm willing to kill you. And then revealed to be reveal illusion where Claudia is. You know, Claudia was distracting him until he could get to them, and he gets knocked out the mountain. Callum grows these like sky magic wings. Rayla. and Varin so- falls to his death. Uh Claudia ends up taking him and tr- using what is implied to be some very dangerous dark magic to bring him back, uh to heal him, like basically bringing him back from the brink of death. Like we see his crown and it's dented uh from where it was on his head, like a massively dented. Like he had a caved in skull and she brought him back from the brink of death. And then the little worm that is, uh as, what was it? Avar- up, Avaros, e- Ev- God damn it. Avaros used to communicate with them uh, has cocooned itself and is clearly like growing to like a replacement body for him or something, and that's the look for the next season. So we have uh, Claudia, Viren, and Erevos going uh, p- clearly plotting something while the good guys celebrate their victory. The you know the Dragon Queen is reunited with her mother. Uh, peaceful relationships are restored between. The dragons, the sun elves, and the humans, you know, with the potential for more relations to come. Callum and, Callum and Rayla have helped, you know, restore their, Rayla's parents' name. Callum, you know, helped save Zem. Ezra's king now. Everything looks to be on track, but we know the villains are still plotting in the shadows, so it's a setup for the next season, and I cannot wait! Seriously, apparently Erevos is gonna take a, a more impressive, like, active role in the next season from what we've gathered, and I just, mmm, I'm so excited for this. Dragon Prince is a great show, a lot of good characters, really good character arcs, and, yes, the first season's animation was sketchy, but they have really improved. The battle scenes are massively impressive. Uh, the dragons are always just glorious to see. I mean, look, I call my trail the Dragon's Library. You all know what I'm here for. I'm the Dragon Librarian, okay? I'm here for the dragons, and the dragons of this show are amazing. So yeah. Alright. Now on this thir- on this uh Friday, I'm going to be reviewing A Quiet Place Part 2. Uh so yeah, that's what's gonna be coming up next. And then on next Tuesday, I will hopefully have finished the book so we'll be able to listen to my review of uh The Voyage of the Basklisk. And that book is really good. Check out Marie Brain's series if you get a chance, check out the Dragon Prince, check out Avatar the Last Airbender. I will put links for all three of those in the description below. So check out all of it, and I will see you next time. Bye! I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode, and thank you for listening to the Dragon's Library. Please, subscribe to this podcast to be notified of new episodes. The Dragon's Library releases new episodes Tuesday and Friday each week. And you can follow us on Twitter at dragon__library2. If you want to suggest an episode topic, my email is in the description below. As always, thank you so much for all your support.